so glad you've joined us on the ERLC podcast to explore how the Bible addresses important cultural issues pertaining to life, religious liberty, marriage and family, and human dignity, and how we can walk in wisdom for God's glory and for the flourishing of our neighbors. If you're enjoying this podcast and find it helpful, please leave a review wherever you listen. This will help more people find and benefit from what we're learning together. We are grateful for the time you take to join us for these conversations. Welcome to the ERLC Podcast. This week, we'll hear from Greg Smalley. The two greatest forces in evangelism are a healthy church and a healthy marriage. The two are interdependent. You can't have one without the other. It's the healthy marriage, however, which is the front line's weapon. The Christian family in a community is the ultimate evangelistic tool. It's the old story. When love is seen, the message is heard. At the ERLC National Conference, Greg Smalley reminds us that building healthy marriages starts within the church. This message will help you invest in your marriage and the marriages around you. How are you doing? Doing good? Tell you what an honor and privilege it is to be with you here today. You know, my very favorite verse on marriage is Hebrews 13.4, which says, that marriage should be honored by all. And I think for me, really, the, the passion to honor marriage, the passion to see healthy marriages just grow within this country came when my wife and I lived in a neighborhood. Uh, we'd probably been married about 12, 13 years. We were right next door to a, a, a single mom raising her four kids. The sad part was that uh, she and her husband had gone through a brutal divorce, and, and unfortunately, he had chosen to walk away from his family. His kids hadn't seen their dad for for many for a long, long time. And so, as we got to know this family, this uh, one of the the kids' his daughter, I call her Sarah. We could just tell she was hurting. Such a daddy's girl hadn't seen her dad for a long time. And my wife would encourage me when you see Sarah, just give her a hug, tell her you love her. She needs to hear that from a man. And so. You know, sure, whatever, hun. And so I would, I would do that. And this one day that my wife was gone, I was home. I was looking forward all week long to a great football game that was going to be on television. And so, I'm very responsible as a, as a parent. But uh, my young, at the, at the time, my oldest daughter Taylor was about five, same age as this girl Sarah. They were upstairs playing. So I'm sitting down, and my lazy boy just just watching this football game, great game. Well, all of a sudden upstairs, I can hear the girls start to argue about something. wasn't sure what they were fighting about, but boy, they're they're arguing. I could hear one of them say, yes, they will. No, they won't. Yes, they will. Well, I was just hoping that this conflict would resolve itself so I wouldn't actually have to get up and parent um, in any way because it was such a great game. But I wasn't that lucky. The conflict spilled all the way down the stairs, boom, right to my chair. These two little five-year-old blonde-haired girls just yelling at each other. Well, this was before you could pause, you know, live TV. And so I can't hear. And I said to the girls, girl, what, what is going on? What, why, why are you guys fighting? What are you fighting about? And I'll never forget my daughter Taylor says, daddy, 
She said, Sarah says that you and mom are going to get a divorce. Wow, that was the last thing I thought they'd fight about. I thought they'd be fighting about Barbies or whatever. Ken did something wrong. Who knows? And so, but now it's stuck. I mean, now I've got to say something. So I muted the television because I'm a guy, so I wasn't going to turn it off. But uh, I, I brought the girls up onto my lap, and I said, Sarah, honey, I said, you know, I hate to get in the middle of your argument here with Taylor, but... But honey, Taylor's right. Her mom and dad were not going to get a divorce. And that means that I've got to be a good husband, a good father. And I start to ramble on about something. Well, Taylor looks at her and goes, <laughs> then she gets up and runs off. And so there I am with Sarah. And so I kind of went, all right, honey, I'm into this game. Good game. Why don't you go back? And instead, little Sarah kind of nestled back and sat there with me over the next, I don't know how long it was, and watched the game. Didn't speak a word so finally I said to her, you know, honey, I'm sure Taylor's missing you. Why don't you, why don't you, you know, go find her? I'm sure she wants to play something. And so Sarah got up and started to walk away and then took a few steps and stopped and then turned around and not looking at me, looking at the floor and honey, are you all right? Do, do you need something? She came back over to my chair and, and again, wouldn't look at me, but she said, well, she goes, I was just thinking, she goes, do you think it would be okay if maybe next weekend I could come back over? Me and you, we could watch another football game together. And I could pretend that you're my daddy because my daddy left and I know it's my fault. And I'll never forget that moment. I mean, that's just one of those moments that I just remember so clearly realizing that this is what I wanted to give my ministry life to, is helping couples be healthy. And and this obviously, our, our this country, we, we desperately need a marriage revival. And the, the truth is this. I mean, I work for Focus on the Family. I'll tell you what, a, a parachurch organization, counselors, we're not the ones that are going to do the marriage revival. I believe that a marriage revival is going to happen within the church. I believe the church should be the number one distribution center for healthy marriages in our country. You know, and I saw that in an interesting place. I was watching Rick Warren one time talk, and he was given a presentation. He had kind of a big screen PowerPoint. He was talking about his peace plan, you know, to go in and do medical care in Western Rwanda. And I'll never forget as he kind of showed us this map up on the screen and clicked it once, and a few dots showed up, and he said, well, this is the number of, you know, nurses and doctors in the whole area of Western Rwanda. And he clicked it again, and about 10 dots showed up, and, you know, number of health clinics around. But then he clicked it a final time, and I tell you that the entire map was lit up with dots. And he goes on to say that here represents the number of churches in Western Rwanda. And his point being is that if we were going to get good health care within Western Rwanda, it wasn't going to be because of the health care workers or the doctors or the nurses or build another hospital. It was going to happen through the local churches. As, as I sat there, I realized that that's exactly true for, for marriage. I mean, you could show that same map and press a button and a focus on the family, a family life, and other great parachurch ministries focused on marriage and family would appear. You could click another button in the counselors. I think there's roughly 156,000 counselors and psychologists and therapists in our country. But if you click that button the final time, that map would, that map would light up because of the number of churches. And that's why I truly believe that the church should be the number one place for, for healthy marriages. 
You know, there, there's three areas in particular, I think, that, that, that as the church, that, that we're able to do uniquely that, that no one else, we can't family, uh, focus on the family, can't replicate this. First of all, premarital couples. 80% of the couples getting married are going to marry within a church. You talk about an amazing opportunity to, to help these couples start off right. We know from research that if a couple gets at least eight hours of quality premarital training, that, that 80% of those couples are still together. I mean, think about that. I mean, what an opportunity. That's within the church. 80% of those couples are going to get married in the church. Marriage strengthening activities, the majority of marriage strengthening activities happen within the, the local church, from the seminars to the small groups on reading a marriage book or to the, the Sunday school classes going through some sort of curriculum. Most, if, if not most, all of those great marriage strengthening activities happen within the church. And I get the privilege of, of doing that about 12, 14 times a year. You know, the last area is even within the, the couples who are in crisis. You know, one of the things that we know that, that long before a couple is going to go see a counselor, is going to go see a psychologist or go in for some sort of professional help, long before that, they will go to a friend or they will go see their pastor. I know for my wife and I, we really, really struggled our first two years of marriage. I mean, honestly, we, we, we were about two years into my marriage, and I didn't think we were going to make it. Just the way that we tried to handle conflict and just deal with, with problems, we just we were not making it. And I was embarrassed. I mean, here I was at Denver Seminary, you know, on my way to go and get a doctorate. Here I had grown up in the home of Gary Smalley. Have you guys ever heard of that guy, Gary Smalley? Okay. How many of you thought you were coming here to hear Gary Smalley? So... <laughs> I'm used to that disappointment, but uh, I tell you, even in, with, with that kind of background, boy, my wife and I were just, we were, we, we were stuck. You know, the only time that, that, that Jesus talks about divorce in, in the New Testament, he says that Moses permitted you to divorce because why? Because of the hardness of your heart. And see, for us, that's exactly what was happening. We were so struggling that our hearts begin to harden to each other. So I was humiliated, embarrassed, didn't know what to do. Now, thankfully, we had some, there was an older couple that were, that was in our church that we went to. And they could really see that something was going on with us. And so long before we were willing to go get any sort of professional help, this couple knew that they needed to intervene. I'll never forget the, 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 the woman, her name's Carrie. She called our house and, and she, she called and I picked up the phone. And she was asking for my wife, Erin. She said, hey, Greg. She goes, is Erin around? And I said, no, she, she's gone. And so this lady literally goes, oh, Greg. She goes, oh, I am so sorry. I was so afraid that this was going to happen. <laughs> and I remember thinking, I mean, she's like gone to the mall. I, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> she said, well, I wonder if you and Aaron could come over to our house tonight. There's some things that we've been wanting to talk to you about. I tell you, for us, that was the beginning of, of turning around our marriage that now is going on 23 years. And, and I credit that couple who intervened. They, that was the couple that was in our church who, who became our mentor couple and more experienced couple who just began to show us the way, encourage us to get help. We got into counseling. We learned the things that we needed to know. 
And that's why I truly believe that, that the church has that opportunity to be the number one distribution center for, for healthy marriages because like this couple, Carrie and Gary Oliver, that, that there's an army of marriage mentors. There's an army of marriage champions within every church. Again, there, there's only a few big places like Focus on the Family and Family Life. There's only a certain number of counselors. I tell you what, there are millions and millions of couples within every single church who want to get involved, want to know what can I do to, to live out Hebrews 13.4, that marriage should be honored by all. I like a, a, a friend of mine, Dr. Bill Doherty, said this. He says that people first need support people. They need mentors and other couples in their lives. And then they need marriage educators. And then they need therapists in that order. I, I love that because to me it's that, it's that the bride of Christ has such an opportunity to, to, to transform this this country of ours, the marriages within this country. The last thing that comes to my mind, again, opportunity-wise, and why I believe that the church has such an important role in that marriage revival is because it's such an amazing evangelism opportunity. You know, the research shows, and, and I know you know this, but research shows that after the age 18, the three most powerful opportunities for someone to come to know the Lord is marriage, the birth of a child, and then death, someone going to a funeral. So when you think about one of the strongest opportunities to, to, to lead someone to the Lord, it can serve as a gateway as when, as when that couple is getting married. It can be a gateway, an entry place for them to get to know the Lord, or it might be a bread trail back to the Lord. That's the opportunity. You know, I want to close with a quote from the guy who really mentored me, Dr. Gary Oliver, and he says that, the two greatest forces in evangelism are a healthy church and a healthy marriage. The two are interdependent. You can't have one without the other. It's the healthy marriage, however, which is the front line's weapon. The Christian family in a community is the ultimate evangelistic tool. It's the old story. When love is seen, the message is heard. Again, that's, that's the opportunity as passionate as I am as passionate, as focused on the family is to see thriving marriages, I believe it's truly going to happen because of the local church, to see the churches really be the producers of, of, of this marriage revival. That's really where I see that this will happen. Well, God, we just love you. Thank you for loving us the way that you do. God, thank you for creating marriage. Thank you for just the, how, how powerful that is as an institution. Or it makes me think about in, in Genesis when you were looking at what your creation was doing and the fact that the men and women had finally come together in the same city. And you, as you looked down as they began to build the, the Tower of Babel, that you saw that, that, that any time they came together speaking the same language, that nothing was impossible for them, Lord. And that's so true with marriage that I know when we're focused on you, God, that nothing is impossible. And Lord, thank you for creating marriage to be one of the most powerful forces on earth. Lord, help us to know better in our own lives, but also within our churches, how we can truly honor marriage. Lord, we love you and thank you and ask these things in your precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the ERLC podcast. 
To subscribe to the podcast and find more information about the gospel and marriage, visit ERLC.com. Join us next week as we listen to the story of one man's conversion from Islam.